0: you've hit play on the screen, Companion. A show about making your viewing time count. You were posted in South Korea twice. When was your first tour, and where were you stationed?
1: My first tour was December of 84, until December of 87, and I was in Wanju, Korea. Camp Long?
0: In relationship to Seoul, where is Wanju?
1: Almost directly east of the capital.
0: And the first time you were stationed there, what were you looking forward to?
1: Well, I had re enlisted to go there, and I was hoping to get a non field unit, because I'd always been in field units, tactical. And I had my unit of choice, but they could only break it down to the 1st Signal Brigade, which a brigade is huge. And in Korea, it's spread from the DMZ all the way down to the southern tip. So you can get in any unit. And my only guarantee was that I'd be in the brigade, and I knew it was slim chance. And I was right. I got uh, a tactical unit, 304th Signal Battalion. So I was looking forward to actually working in a uh, communication center, a building. But I got the tactical side of it. And I wanted to see, meet some of our relatives there also, which they hadn't seen me since I was a baby.
2: And you got to visit with them?
1: Yeah.
0: And you said your MOS was
1: communications? At the time it was 72 Echo in Army lingo. Yes, it's Tactical Communications Center Operator.
0: And what does the Army do to prepare soldiers for foreign assignments? Nothing. Are there any pamphlets or.?
1: You can read up on it, sure. Your library. They do have pamphlets, but it's more geared toward recruiting, which is just going to show the exciting aspects of the assignment. And then when you get in country, you're already there. It was a two-week seminar thing where host nation and military people from the post that you're at would give you instructions, let you know what's acceptable in the culture that you're going to be living in for your tour. This program, Head Start, was geared toward different languages and cultures, depending on where you went. I had the class in Germany, Korea, and Turkey. But that's the only preparation they give you, actually. Did you do anything
0: personally to prepare? No. (laughs) What's there to do? What's there to prepare? I don't know. Get a Korean
1: dictionary,
0: learn a few words.
1: You're going to learn there. You have the education centers at the military post that you're at. Yeah, you got a lot of resources. If you want to go out and find them, just go to the education center. And that's their job, to steer you to resources that they have.
0: Back in 84, did you see any animosity from Korean civilians or their military toward GIs like you? Do you remember what the political climate was back then?
1: 84, they had a president that was an ex-general he was installed by the military, Chun doo And there were always riots and demonstrations. It was usually the students, even though it's illegal to spell support for the North Korean regime or communism in general, they still have the laws on the books, the Korean government does, that it's illegal, treasonous to do that. But in 84, they had a, I can't even pronounce the name of it, it was one of the uh, bigger university communist student organizations that would put together these demonstrations and riots. Quite often, they would be set up at the main gate of the U.S. Army in Seoul, which is in Yongsan, and that was formerly the headquarters of the Japanese Army when they were in charge. So they would have their little demonstrations outside of the gates of our post. Across the street was Camp Coiner. Well, on that street, they would have their demonstrations between two gates because it spanned Yongsan and Camp Coiner were huge, took up a huge area of the capital. So they'd have their demonstrations there. And the ex-general president, chun His riot police would show up in these buses. They'd be ready. And they'd show up with all the riot gear on and take care of business with the students. There would be tear gas shot all over the place to get rid of the students. And the lingering effects of that would stick around in the area too. With the foliage and the trees, the gas would stick around for a while. There were quite a few times when I'd go to post, when I'd go there from Camp Long where I was at, and show up on one of our buses, and it reeked of tear gas, which in the army we'd call CS gas, eyes would start watering. (laughs) By this time, the demonstrations had been done for a while.
0: Hours? Maybe
1: even a day. Wow. So I wouldn't actually see it, but I could smell the after effects. Get the whole stingy eyes and everything. Most of the people were decent.
0: So if you were going to get dirty looks, was it more from young people?
1: I'd say generally to get dirty looks, you have to act like the uh, stereotypical ugly American. Being all loud, making fun of their culture, just not being very couth, bad-mannered. But if you're being decent... They won't, unless they've been drinking, because I did have one time when uh, a couple Korean guys said something to my wife at the time, who was Korean. I turned around and looked at them, going to get involved, and she said, ah, oh, don't worry about it. But I think they were under the influence of alcohol or something, but I think their true feelings came out, And I think it was because an American is with a Korean woman. So they got a problem with that sometimes. Not all of them, but, you know, there's always bad apples.
2: How old were those guys? I'd say probably uh, mid-twenties. What was the most off-putting thing about them while you were over there in 84? Jumping ahead a little to the movie we watched... Micro-habitat. So
0: many people in this movie smoke.
1: (laughs) Yeah. When I was there, smoking was just like in Turkey and Germany pretty much, too. Back in the 80s, everybody smoked.
0: Was there a non-smoking section in Korean restaurants or bars?
1: No. (laughs) We didn't have in America either.
0: Really, not by the 80s? No. Oh, I'm glad I missed that.
1: People smoked.
0: So it doesn't sound like you can think of a lot of stuff that you were off put by them.
1: I always got along with just about everybody I met there. For the locals, they're very nice people.
2: So then, barring the food,
0: what did you like most about the culture?
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. You took away the food. <laughs> One of the things about the culture that I liked, to an extent, was the respect they gave their elders. They can go too far with it, also, in that even if you're a month older than somebody else, then you got that much seniority on them. I've seen it in their movies, and I've seen it living there. You got the way you address somebody could be different, because they're six months or a year older than you versus somebody that you speak to that's younger than you. But I'd say that's one of the things that I liked about the culture is the respect they show their elders and basic decency as far as how you treat others, caring for family members, stuff like
2: that. So then if we are going to include food and drink, what
0: was your favorite thing over there back then?
1: I used to go to the KATUSA snack bar, and that was any place there were Korean augmentees to the U.S. Army. That's KATUSA. They're uh, very helpful when we have field duty exercises with host nation troops. They can be right there and translate written Korean, spoken Korean. So their KATUSA snack bars are supposed to be for the KATUSAs, but GIs can go there too. It helps their bottom line. And the prices are dirt cheap. The food is authentic. And normally, the people that are making it are local hires. The one we had at Wonju, I think, was just a local family that had that job and cooked Korean food the way she cooked Korean food all the time. And I enjoyed that. They had all the usual stuff that you have in America nowadays. Korean restaurants, bulgogi. Most Americans, I think, like bulgogi, but they don't know the other dishes, too, that are really good, like uh, cha that's noodles, bean noodles. Then you got bibimbap with the egg on top and the veggies and stuff. Real authentic kimchi, and the other panchan side dishes was really good.
0: Connect with The Screen Companion via our Facebook group by subscribing on YouTube or whatever platform you're listening on, and email us using The Screen Companion at gmail.com. The Korean War is still officially not over, and it wasn't over back then. How present was the North Korean threat in your mind? Were they in the local news a lot? Were you worried there'd be an incident while you were serving there?
1: I didn't fixate on it. Everybody knew, I think, that they could come down at any time, and it would be a fiasco. I was always told that, and it just makes sense if you drive up there near the DMZ from Seoul up to Weijongbu. That's on the uh, western half of South Korea up near the DMZ, major city up there, Weejeanbu. The roads would be jam-packed with people trying to get out of the area. If the North Koreans came down with their armor and troops, I don't know how U.S. forces or Korean army could actually get up there with all the Korean civilians on the roads, with their little minivans and blue cargo trucks and everything else they drive. I never fixated on it. I don't know anybody that did. It was reality. And that's another reason I liked serving in Korea, was it felt like it was more realistic than serving in the States or Germany or Turkey. Just because it could go off, although not expected. And I remember going from Seoul to Weejeanbu. They had these huge blocks I don't know if they were solid concrete or what was in them, but huge blocks on both sides of the highway. It may have been four-lane total at that time. Between Wijanbu and Seoul to the south, a few bottleneck spots along the highway, these huge blocks with concrete posts underneath them built, so they'd blow out that support, and these blocks would fall in onto the highway and totally block it off. I suppose those would probably be blown quick. I don't know if I'm giving out secrets here, but <laughs> I don't know if they're secrets, but it just would make sense to me that they'd drop those blocks as fast as they could. And all those people up north are just stuck. <laughs> you know? These other GIs would say something like, Oh, yeah, if, if Kim Il-sung dies, I mean, man, they're just going to come over the border. But when he died, nothing happened. I think the U.S. and South Korean military readiness posture went up a few notches, just in case, who knows, maybe they would have a coup up there. But nothing happened, as far as I know. And his son, naturally, Kim Jong-il, took over. And everything was hunky-dory again.
0: So we watched, from 2017, Microhabitat. 30-something Miso lives in a one-room apartment, making ends meet as a cleaning lady. All she cares about is cigarettes, whiskey, and her equally poor boyfriend. When her rent goes up, she decides the smokes and drink are more important than a living space, opting to couch surf with bandmates she had back in college. As she moves from friend to friend, saving money up for a potential new apartment, Miso will see just how hard it is to keep her head above water, in a world where the cost of everything gets higher and higher. Especially when making a stand on keeping one's vices. In what ways do you think the main character Miso goes against the grain of Korean mores for women her age?
1: I left Korea the last time and final time in September of 92. And I don't think it was really talked up to have women like the character Miso, where everything's okay. It's like, who am I to judge you? The mother, the old couple. And they wanted their son to get married because he's older. I suppose they'd probably want to have grandchildren. mother started asking me so, what do you do for work? And that's normal, that type of behavior. Whereas in America, it's not so cool for people to ask all those questions. Over there, in most countries I've visited, it's okay to ask, how much money do you make? Where are you from? What did you study in college? Where are your
0: parents from?
1: (laughs) Right. I know this from firsthand account hearing it from somebody in my family about the background of some people from certain provinces in Korea, where it was very frowned upon to even associate with them. And she was from an era that when Japan occupied Korea, and then up through the Korean War in the 50s, 60s, I've seen it where some of those attitudes come out. I saw that playing out with the older lady. Maybe she had a different motive, trying to figure out not too much about Miso the character, but just trying to hook her up with her son that was getting along in age. But when she started talking, it was like, what do you do for work? Where are your parents from? And Miso said, well, they're dead. They died. Well, where are they from? Because that still counts. (laughs) I think it's still there. I don't know how much it is with the younger folks. Probably not. Maybe people in their high 30s, maybe you still have some of that going on. And eventually, hopefully, it'll clear out. It's generational. It just goes on and on. Having opinions about people from different provinces that are looked down on. But they all move around so much nowadays, like everywhere. It doesn't matter.
2: And I
0: was under the impression that when the mother was interviewing miso it didn't sound like miso was giving very good answers but that the mother was ignoring that because she was just so desperate to get her son married that miso could have said she was from the slums and the mother would have just said oh that's nice
1: yeah i think that's what the character was supposed to give off the mother because she had that plastic smile on the whole time And not really pushing Miso to divulge more about her family history and things. She just went on to something else when Miso hesitated to answer. Yeah, she just wanted anybody to marry her son.
0: And this movie takes place in Seoul. What was it like back in the 80s? Is there an American city you could compare it to?
1: (laughs) No. Apples and oranges. I've heard different numbers of how many people are there. I think, what is it, 12 million now? Something like that. It's high. Yeah, it's a huge city, and they showed a lot of older buildings in this movie that were supposed to be 2014 and early 15, right? At least. Yeah. And it seemed like most of the buildings that she actually stopped in to visit her friends, their homes were older buildings, quite a bit older. They look like they were built in probably the 50s or 60s. And here it is, the 21st century, and they're still living in those buildings. Real blocky and dirty on the outside. Nice on the inside, well kept, but kind of run down. Very busy city, even when I was there. People all over the place, if you go downtown, Pretty much your typical big dirty city.
0: While watching the flick, did it jog your memory about anything you experienced over there? Uh some of those spreads, huh? Like the little banquet that the mother we've been talking about she put out for me, so
1: Yeah, that was nice. You've experienced uh, that a
2: few times, haven't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Where my aunt one of my aunts or the whole bunch of them. I think when I visited, there were still at least four still alive, and they would make sure I was well-fed and had enough beer, even if I didn't ask for it. I think they had it in their head that Americans are used, American soldiers in particular, are big beer drinkers. I guess they had that stereotype of, unfortunately, that we all like to drink beer any time of day when I visited my aunt, and she owned a hotel in Chonan. It wasn't a fancy hotel, but like maybe five stories high. So I stayed in one of the rooms, and the day I got there, when I got to that town, the next morning, after spending the night upstairs, I went downstairs with shorts on and a t-shirt to go jogging at about maybe 6 a.m. in the morning. And one of my, uh, maybe the second to the oldest living, she had a big, big old bottle of Obi Beer, Oriental Brewery, ice cold. The top was popped off it, and she had both hands on it, which was, she didn't really need to do that because it's a sign of respect from a younger person normally to an older person. But she had it in both hands, maybe because she was frail. And she's smiling at me, and she tries to give me that open beer before I'm going on a run. And I had to tell her, that I pointed at my watch at number 12, and I said, maybe lunchtime. And she couldn't understand English. But I thanked her, and I went on the run. And I probably drank that beer at lunchtime.
2: So this movie is a collection of
0: scenes where Miso checks in with her estranged friends and where they are in life. Was the older bachelor and his parents, was that your favorite segment?
1: That was one of them.
0: The other ones are a little more dramatic, they're a little more depressing. That one is probably the most comical. Yeah. Especially when she wakes up in the morning and everybody's gone and she's going to go out for smokes. But then the door's locked on her and she can't get out. And she sees that they've left a carton of smokes on the table for her because they just don't want her to leave.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she's going to sit there and smoke all day and be content, they thought. Yeah, anything to get her boy there to get married. Yeah, there weren't really many lighthearted parts in that movie. I guess that would be one of the better ones. Which of
0: the ex-bandmates do you think was the most poignant?
1: Hmm. Who was the first one she saw?
0: It was her friend who was married to... I don't even know what that guy did for work, but he wasn't super successful. and looked like they were living in his parents' house miso's friend had the husband and the in-laws right and this woman the friend had to cook and clean and do everything for him and she was miserable
1: yeah yeah she got roped in that's what she got for marrying the guy
0: is that normal culturally for koreans or in the movie were they doing more than what would be acceptable
1: nowadays just from what i've seen in movies and stuff from Korea. The culture has changed, obviously, since I was there. But it was common if the wife married into a family, the husband, if he didn't have his own home, and he still lived at home, she would move in with them. And she's at the bottom of the pecking order. Yeah, she pretty much needs to do whatever the mother-in-law wants her to do. Nowadays, though, I can't imagine that's very common. Maybe it's still expected, but I think Korean women probably have learned how to speak up for themselves much more than they did back then and say, I'm not doing it. Or if we get married, I'm not doing that. I've got my own life, my own work, whatever. I want to go to school. Yeah.
2: With all the Korean
0: material you've seen, what do you think are the big differences between their stories and ours? our Hollywood stuff.
1: It seems like a lot of their movies and series, the ones I've seen, it seems like it's a common thread, the difficulty for young people, quite often college educated, but young people in general, after they've entered adulthood and they're expected to get a job, and it's just so darn hard to get a decent paying job and support themselves and not live in a dump, have a decent apartment. It seems like a common thread that it's so hard to get that, whereas in America, it's fairly easy still to get a one-bedroom or, if you like, a studio apartment to get a decent one and be able to pay your bills, whereas in these flicks from Korea, it always looks so difficult just so tear-producing struggle for these characters to get out of that rut. I thought Miso was going to commit suicide because they had a huge suicide problem in Seoul. In Korea in general, but Seoul.
0: It's still pretty high, isn't it?
1: I haven't read up on it lately. I know the bridges they would have signs along the handrails saying to these people they're contemplating suicide. Stuff written there to try to get him not to jump over the rail into the Han River.
0: I would add, as far as technique, all the Korean stuff I've seen, Microhabitat was a very even keeled movie. It never got too silly or too dramatic, but regardless of the genre, they always have a tinge of
2: melodrama. And it's usually punctuated by a piano score. Yeah. Let's take a moment to thank TSC fans
0: from around the world. Tell us which of our recommendations you liked and who your favorite guests are via companion at gmail.com. Further support the host by purchasing a digital or print copy of his sci-fi novel, Traversal, The Weight of Worlds. Available on Amazon.
2: What's your biggest criticism for the movie?
1: I can't think of any. (laughs) What I got out of the movie, what I thought it was supposed to be like. Were you
2: ever bored? No. No. Who do you think
0: would like it more? An intellectual viewer, let's say somebody who wants to look at all the ins and outs of Korean culture. An emotional viewer who wants the drama or the relationships between the characters. Or do you think it would be a visceral viewer who's really looking for those gut punch moments, which the only thing I can think of as an example in the movie would be... When she's in her crummy little apartment with her boyfriend and they decide they're going to have sex because they haven't in a long time. But it's so cold that after they take all their gear off, they decide they're not going to do it. I felt cold watching that. And if you listen to the sound design, they put in the breeze outside the apartment just to make it it almost sound colder.
1: Yeah, it was almost like a hurricane out there. (laughs) They were making so much noise out that little window.
0: So stuff like that is what I mean for like a visceral viewer, like oh you can
2: feel that, or at least that's what they want you to feel.
1: That was a central thing for most of it too. Was everybody was cold? At least a couple of the places she went to, it was cold too. Yeah, I've been to Korea. It's cold.
0: Like at the beginning of the movie, it's New Year's.
1: I don't know if they have heat. I don't know if during that time frame they had political, you know, like heating costs were really up in late 2014. Maybe it was. Maybe it was the news, what was being talked about at the time, so that's why it was in the flick, too. I would say the ones that, not the visceral one, it was the one in the middle. Emotional? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think those people would want to watch it.
2: You didn't mind the ending?
1: I couldn't see how... Then again, I'm not in their shoes. Her uh, friend, one of her friends that had the baby, the rich friend, and she lays into her because she got pissed off that she gave out too much information what the married woman was like when she was young and they all used to hang out together when the husband asked. Plus, Miso went out. I mean, I've seen people do it in the States. It's no big deal, but <laughs> I've seen Korean women get awfully pissed about What I would think is nothing. And in this case, it was just Miso going out to have a smoke with the woman's husband because he was going to go out and have a smoke. So she smokes. So she just said, I'll go out, you know, I'll go too. There was confrontation with that. And then later, the rich lady, after that episode, it shows them talking at her dinner table. And she lays into Miso about the smoke break and gets into her case about her being there long, living with them. You can't tell how long she's really been there, living with the rich friend.
0: Can we say anywhere from three weeks to four months?
1: Yeah. Because the rich friend got into the fact that some people don't like others to basically outstay their welcome. And that Miso didn't clue in on that. She doesn't understand that, you know? She should have gotten up and left before.
0: Well, that felt like a pretense to ask Miso to leave. I think it was just the dinner table conversation in front of the husband that pissed her off.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: I think in the hierarchy of that household... It's very patriarchal. You can see the rich friend. She pours water for her husband. She has her place in that family. And then I think to her, it was galling that the man of the house goes out for a smoke. I'm the wife. Even I don't go out to smoke with him. Yeah. But my friend is just going to yeah. you know, hopscotch me and oh. like she's on his level. Because he was obviously the breadwinner, a very successful oh, yeah. guy. Yeah. Oh. Also a little humorless. He seemed rigid with how he felt about success. Yeah. A little dismissive of Miso not finishing college. Although he says that he thinks it would be better to go out and just get a job or something than pay for the degree.
1: Yeah, because they don't teach anything anymore, he thought.
0: The whole time he's talking to her, it's a sneer. Like he's Mm. entertaining this lower life form. He's tolerating her because she's his wife's friend. Yeah. But also when the rich friend confronts Miso, I was on the rich friend's side when she points out, look Miso, you write down your expenses. Why aren't you writing out cigarettes and whiskey?
1: Miso is effectively homeless. She's couch surfing. And yet she still has to have her smokes. And she likes the expensive smokes she has this brand that she usually gets, and it's more expensive, and everything's going up in price and her favorite smokes are jumping up too. But then she settles for this really cheap one that the counter clerk pointed out, oh, I have this one that basically meets her economic needs, so she's homeless, but she's still laying out ten thousand wands. She put that down for her usual pack of smokes. I believe 10,001 is like close to $10. So you think about it, and it went up more than that, too. Her normal price for that was, let's say, 10 bucks for a pack of cigarettes. And she's homeless. And then she likes her whiskey, one or two drinks of that in a snifter glass. And she goes to this bar it's not a dive or anything. So she's homeless, but she can spend money on Glenn Fittich whiskey, which isn't cheap. Her choices in life are terrible. Just those alone. You can't afford someplace to be, and you're imposing on your friends that you haven't seen in a while. And when you do show up, just short of begging for a bed,
0: well, but she, you know, Miso also has a dignified air about her. The very first ex-bandmate, she goes to see the hard-working woman. Maybe it's at a law firm. I don't know what company she worked at. But that woman told her no. And I don't think throughout the whole movie does Miso ever beg to stay no, at place. No, she doesn't. Someplace. In fact, she cuts some of her visits short. A couple of her friends would actually let her stay longer if she wanted. Yeah. You know. So that fits nicely into this final question for you, which is Do you think the movie makes any stance on independence versus sticking to societal norms? Does it feel like they're complimenting Miso's lifestyle or rejecting it?
1: My opinion you can't help but like Miso. She's non judgmental through the entire movie. She never has a contrary thing to say, that I recall, to anybody. And even one woman that turns out to be a prostitute, it doesn't serve any purpose to point out the drawbacks of being a prostitute. And actually, this prostitute was just fired from being a prostitute. (laughs) She's having a rough time.
0: And Miso knows this woman because the prostitute... Paid Miso as a housekeeper.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe she was actually a bar girl, which is actually a sideline for prostitution also. I like Miso, but her life choices were terrible. You know, if she wants to live like that, the ending was, to me, it sucked in that her living condition hadn't really improved much. Oh, and, yeah, it was just at the end. She's finished up her Glenn Fittich and she leaves. I hope that was paying for the drink, too, and not a 4,001 tip. But, yeah, she left 4,001 on the table, and yet, once again, she's homeless. <laughs> then again, you can't help but like her. She seemed like a nice person, very nice person.
0: Well in the end, I think the movie is one of those slice-of-life pictures where it's not pushing a narrative one way or the other. It's just showing you the standards of one person's life. very character study E. Mm. And never do they applaud her for her life choices. Some of her bandmates think she's cooler than others. They never get on her case too hard. I get the feeling she is capable enough to improve her station in life if she wanted. I mean, we see she cooks, she cleans. She's not afraid of putting in labor. She doesn't have elitist attitude. You can't with that lifestyle. Where you're giving blood just to afford movie tickets. No. While I would like there to be a stronger position in the movie one way or the other, just to give more of a finality to the story and give it more meaning, if you want to tell a balanced story that doesn't sway too far one way or the other, doesn't feel political, just feels like you're seeing somebody's life, then I think this
2: is a great example of that.